So the first one came out of necessity. So it's like, it's, it's 2017, you know, I have an office, I've got a couple of people helping me buy. I'm like really scaling this thing up and I'm, I'm excited about it. And, um, but you know, it's all about deal flow. And I was putting money into deals and all these different marketing campaigns. I had like my steady ones and then I had like the new ones and I had like these fringe ones that were kind of long shots. And I felt like literally all I was doing was just marketing. And I, you know, I had a project manager to help me with, you know, we had about six, eight flips going at one time, but you know how those go. You got to keep your finger on the pulse and somebody works for you doesn't have the same skin in the game that you do. And so, you know, stuff was kind of just falling by the wayside. It wasn't as efficient. And I was like, damn, what am I going to do? So I actually thought about leaving real estate because it's so frustrating. Like literally I'm sending all this money out. Sometimes I'm getting a deal. Sometimes I'm not. The worst part was I go over to people's houses and they acted like they were doing me a big favor. They're like, you know, you know, they're like the, the, the girl who gets asked to prom by a thousand people and they're just like, take a number. Welcome to Grid Talk, a podcast about real estate entrepreneurs, visionaries, and the stories behind the legacies they're creating. I'm your host, Rob Chavez. And on today's episode, I've got Max Keller from Dallas, Fort Worth. Now, what's interesting about Max is that Max started off as a high school math teacher who just needed a side hustle. He needed to make some extra cash because you'll soon learn Max has a lot of kids and math teachers, unfortunately, don't make a lot of money. So out of frustration, he had to figure out a different plan. Well, a friend of his introduced him to real estate investing, and let's just say the rest is history. Hundreds of homes later, Max has created a very profitable real estate business. But what's even more interesting than that is how he did it. He created an awesome lead generation lead conversion tool using a book. He wrote a book and that book helped with lead generation and lead conversion. And that book turned to licensing agreements with other real estate investors who also wanted to benefit from the power of a book. So without further ado, here's Max Keller. What's up, Grid? Uh, I'm super pumped. That's right, Max here. I'm super pumped to be bringing Max in from uh, Fort Worth, Texas, right? Very cool. Max, hey man, thanks for sharing some time with us today. You know, I was going through uh, your bio a little bit and I was like, hey, this guy was a math teacher. He's a teacher at heart, right? Yeah. Let's let's explore a little bit about his journey. Uh, why real estate? How does a math teacher get into real estate, right? And and then, you know, it sounds like you kind of went full circle and, and, you, and now you teach real estate entrepreneurs mm-hmm. how to generate, you know, more business through writing books, right? So, but I, I want to understand your journey, right? So t- tell us a little bit about, you and and how you even got in this journey of real estate. Yeah. So I wanted to get in real estate like back in uh, 05 when I first got married. The problem was I just like, I didn't understand personal development. I wasn't really reading a lot. And so I would go to some boot camps. I went to, um, you know, some different, I think back then it was called like Trump university, but it was like real estate people. And I was trying to figure it out, but I just, I didn't know what I was doing. And so I, you know, I worked in corporate America, not really, where I wanted to be at all, you know, big company, just not, not for me. Um, you know, I went and became a teacher because my wife's a teacher and I loved it. It was like awesome every day. You know, math has always been my favorite subject that comes in real handy in real estate. Cause there's a lot of math in this business. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I didn't have any intentions of ever leaving teaching. And then what happened was, is um, about seven years into my teaching career, um, my family's getting, you know, larger, as you can see from the picture up there. Uh, it's like one every two years. And um, so I was like, you know, the bills are going up and I want to make more income. So I try to do some side hustles in the summer. I had friends who said they want to start businesses, but then they didn't really want to start businesses. And my my friend is like super conservative. He works for the government. And he said, we went on vacation together. And this was, uh, gosh, I think about six years ago. And he said, hey, I bought a rent house. And I was like, really? Like, I was so surprised. And he told me how it worked and what he did. And his family's big family like mine is the same boat. You know, like he had to do something. He's like, you know, I'm working for the government. Y'all know you got a lot of people work for the government where you are, you know, it's like the pay's locked in, you know, I got to do something. And so, you know, he's like, if I can just buy one rental a year, you know, that'll make a big difference in my nest egg. And I was like, hmm. And I thought about it some more. And then for me, I'm just like all in or not at all, you know? So I just like started learning, you know, I'm 10 years you know, older now when I'm trying this real estate journey, I just have more experience, you know, and I'm more motivated, really. It came down to motivation. And so I just started learning. I studied. I found a local mentor uh, who owned a RIA club, worked for him for free. And then within about 90 days, I got my first two deals under contract, wholesaled one for like 16 grand, quit my job five years ago today. And I flipped about 125, 130 houses. I still wholesale. And then I started, you know, it, it led to other things um, just because we're in a competitive market. And and I think a lot of them are right now, but Dallas has been for a long time. And so, you know, I just started to um, really just learn how to get good at marketing because that's where it all starts. And mm -hmm. um, but that's what got me into it. I never planned on quitting my job. I just wanted to just get a rental or two like my friend. But then when I saw the active income that you could make, you know, I was like, I'd be a fool not to do this. And I got in with good people that, um, you know, were way ahead of me and they helped me. And I joined some really good groups and just kept learning, watching shows like yours. And I'm still learning. But yeah, now I have, I just finished my student call, um, like just before I came on here. And, you know, there's people on that call that are just, I mean, they have like huge companies and they're so accomplished and they're like, you know, this helps me so much. So it's cool because I feel like, I'm, I'm getting the same satisfaction that I was when I was teaching math at an inner city school and I was helping those kids and I was making money for me too. And I feel like I can still do that now with real estate, with my deals and my student group. So yeah, I'll probably just do this forever. I really like it. That That's awesome. And you know, it's interesting because my daughter, you know, she wants to be a history teacher. She's 18. Mm -hmm. She wants to be a history teacher. And I've always told her, you know, yes, you could be a teacher. And I like, awesome, you could do that. But there's this whole other world that exists where you can also be a teacher and mm -hmm. you can amplify your income, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, she's at the mindset right now where, you know, hey, entrepreneurs, I see how hard you and mom work, right? And have worked. And she's like, I, I, I don't want to do that, right? So, um, but I, but I believe that all good sales starts with teaching, right? That's and it. all good, and all good, uh, all good business owners are teachers, whether it's their people, their staff, the, you know, the, their clients. Um, so we're big fans of teachers, right? Yeah. Uh, because we 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 always say that we sell by educating our clients and making them smarter in the process. Now, yeah. let me ask you a question on that. Uh, when you said you flipped a hundred houses. Was mm -hmm. that wholesales? Was that fix and flips? Like, what was it primarily? 
a combination, but mostly fix and flip because I had a good crew and I had access to the capital markets and the market's just been so hot the last, you know, five or six years. Sure. I mean, I still flip during a downturn too, but that hasn't been the case for the last five years. So yeah. a little bit of wholesale, but only, only when the, I mean, only wholesale lately. I mean, I know there's people who are still fix and flipping, but I just don't, I don't have time to take those on. Like at the, at the moment of this recording, I could just wholesale it to my cash buyers list because like one, you don't even really need to. And when I say wholesale, like wholesale too, because if you can just take it down and list it the way our market is, you know, you make, you make almost as much as if you took it all the way to retail and there's so much more risk. So, and building supplies and contractors and all that, but almost everything that we did before the last couple of years, before I got busy doing anything but just deals um was just mostly fix and flip got it yeah. and did i read that you also have your your real estate license mm -hmm. yes okay. okay yeah and i got that um you know it's kind of the writings on the wall i mean they just outlawed um wholesaling in um oklahoma it's already happened in chicago and normally how things go you know people come on the show and think they can predict the future i i kind of question that the future is very hard to predict What's going to change? Very hard to predict. But what's not going to change is much easier. And what's not going to change is that there's going to be more and more desire for government regulations under the under the guise of consumer protection. And maybe some of it is, but then maybe some of it is just, you know, fees and things like that. So I see that happening more. And as being in, active in the investor community, I think that it's it's something to consider if you've never thought about getting a license, because it's probably probably going to open up some doors, especially now, because we have some deals that before I wouldn't have been able to monetize, but they're listing deals. They're not deep discount deals. I yeah. mean, today, today is a new record. Did you know today's a new record? Today's a new record because today is the easiest day in the history of humanity for somebody to get on their phone and find about 40 people in your city that can pay a lot more than you would ever pay in your wildest dreams. Mm -hmm. And investors got to wake up to this like quick because they're going to get left behind. And so yeah, that, that's it, important. That That's super important. You know, I, I, my journey was on the investor side and then it, it, it migrated on to the agent side. We built a big, you know, agent business and I, but I've always thought like an investor right now, and maybe three or four years in, I'm like, man, you know, whether you're a wholesaler, you're a rehabber, you're a fix and flipper, you're in construction, it's all earned income. You know, at the end of the day, for me, it's about buying you know, assets that I'm going to hold long term. But I'm like, there's no difference between a wholesaler and a listing agent. It's the identical business. You're just controlling real estate with a piece of paper. One is a purchase contract. One is a listing agreement. Right. And so I've been I've been a big advocate of trying to help people understand, you know, it's just another tool in order to, to kind of fulfill the business that you're already in. Right. So, and you give people options. So I'm glad you said that, right. For sure. Well, you know, you've been in a, you, you started, you know, five years ago, it sounds like. So you've, yeah. you've experienced, you know, a good market this whole time. I'm curious. And maybe the answer is no, maybe you haven't been punched in the face yet as a real estate entrepreneur or have you? Yeah, I have, but I wasn't doing it full time. I was the executor for my grandma's estate and it wasn't, you know, you say estate, but I mean, you know, they just had kind of, you know, blue collar kind of background. But when we tried to sell her house after she passed away, it took forever. It was 2011. It was a very, very difficult, you know, time. And I wish I had known everything that I had known now. 
um, I would have structured it totally differently. But we went through, you know, when the buyers go away, everything changes and the credit markets were very difficult. And so we really had to invest a lot of time and energy to get that house sold. And, you know, the price was, you know, very, very low. They ended up just tearing it down, even though it was in great shape. And because they knew that that land was super valuable and then waited a couple of years for it to really come up. And now, you know, what, what was a, maybe a 500 grand house back in like, you know, Oh five that we sold at a discount for like 200. Um, you know, now there's, you know, a $1.5 million house on it. So, you know, really understanding and having, so that was a big kick in the face because yeah. we could have structured and done that deal totally differently, but I just didn't know. And that's why, you know, not reading and not investing yourself is like, you know, the biggest opportunity costs. And so now, now, um, you know, it's nice to be able to do a couple things. One, educate people who are in my grandma's situation, educate people through my books. Um, when I give them out to my motivated sellers, educating these families on what their options and choices are, like you said, is a great sales tool and helps them kind of avoid making some of the big mistakes that we made, you know, cause I just, I just didn't know any better. Max, tell me about your, tell me about some of the books you've written. What was the first one you ever wrote? Yeah. So the first one came out of necessity. So it's like, it's, it's 2017, you know, I have an office, I've got a couple of people helping me buy, I'm like really scaling this thing up and I'm, I'm excited about it. And, um, but you know, it's all about deal flow and I was putting money into deals and all these different marketing campaigns. I had like my steady ones and then I had like the new ones and I had like these fringe ones that were kind of long shots. And I felt like literally all I was doing was just marketing. And I, you know, I had a project manager to help me with, you know, we had about six, eight flips going at one time, but you know how those go. You got to keep your finger on the pulse and somebody works for you, doesn't have the same skin in the game that you do. And so, you know, stuff was kind of just falling by the wayside. It wasn't as efficient. And I was like, damn, what am I going to do? So I actually thought about leaving real estate because it's so frustrating. Like literally I'm sending all this money out. Sometimes I'm getting a deal. Sometimes I'm not. The worst part was I go over to people's houses and they acted like they were doing me a big favor. They're like, you know, you know, they're like the 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 girl who gets asked to prom by a thousand people and they're just like, take a number, you know? And so you know, it's true. Like, you know, you're going there. And, I'm laughing because I know, I know that feeling. So, so here's what I did. Make a long story short. The first thing I did, I had done about 40, 50 deals by then. And I said, okay, what is like a perfect deal for me? Like maybe I'm looking at this marketing thing the wrong way. Maybe instead of looking at what everybody else is doing and try to copy it, why don't I just be true and just say, what is it that I want for my life, for my business, for my family? And so I made a list of like who my dream customer is. And it's somebody who, you know, doesn't fight me about the deal. Somebody who, you know, sees me as like, you know, the consultant and, you know, somebody who um, is just generally like, you know, has lived in their house a long time and they need, you know, help and they need like real information. They don't just need, they're not just looking for a transaction. And so what I found was, is that there was a pattern. Cause I didn't, the other thing too, is I was getting caught up in the whole, how many deals are you doing? Like trap. And so I was so focused on trying to hit this like magic number of deals that I was buying these skinny deals. And I was like, this ain't going to work, you know? So I want to have good profit in my deals I wanted to, you know, have people who wanted to work with me and I wanted to have fun and all signs pointed towards seniors. 
Mm-hmm. You know, these folks, I mean, they, they lived in their house a long time. The houses, you know, really weren't in bad shape. They just needed, you know, cosmetic updates a lot of times. And a lot of times I wasn't just working with the senior, I was working with the family. And, you know, I took care of my grandma. Um, she took care of me. So like, you know, I met my wife taking my grandma to church. So like I've been involved in helping seniors for a long time. So it kind of was like a natural fit and they needed the kind of help I, I, you know, I had. And so what I did was, this is how I came up with the book idea is it didn't come up for me. It came from a motivated seller. So I'm out there, I'm, I'm learning about assisted living facilities. Cause a lot of times they're moving from the houses to assisted living. And they're like, do you know of some places, you know, that I can look at? So I just started doing some research. So I just started researching all the things that were important to them and doing more than just giving them a cash offer for their house. So I'm buying this house. The daughter of the seller is like, you know, you've helped our family out a ton. This has been super stressful. I know what that's like because I went to do the same thing when we handled my grandma's estate and um, I just didn't have a guide to help me. And she said, you know, you should write a book about this. And, you know, I'm a dyslexic math teacher. So the chances of me writing a book are like zero. And <laughs> sort of just laughed it off. But then when I thought about it, I was like, you know, that's a pretty good idea. If somehow I could figure out how to do this, um, you know, I could go from being the person who knew a lot about senior housing to the person who, you know, wrote the book on it. And so I just it's like a real simple formula. I just wrote down all the questions people keep asking me over and over. You know, I wrote down all the questions that, you know, people should ask. They just don't know to ask. And um, and I just answered it. And then, you know, there's a that's a big process writing a book. If I had known actually how long, full disclosure, if I had known how long it would have taken, um, I probably wouldn't have. But I did, you know, and then I got it done. So home to home, this book right here, the uh, home to home, the step by step senior housing guide. That was my first book. And all it was designed to do. Because, you know, everybody talks, gets on these shows, they talk about all the good stuff. Well, what about the bad stuff? Well, look, it's not that I don't love people. Trust me, I do. But I, it's not scalable for me to be in living rooms for four hours, you know, because these folks have got 40 years of questions. And so originally I wrote the book just so I could hand it to them to avoid some of the four hour, you know, like let them, that the book answer the questions, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was my idea. Um, I knew that when, you know, I've been, I've received a lot of books from people and even if it's not a good book, I don't want to throw it away. So I'm like, you know, versus a postcard, people throw that in the trash all the time. You know, I was putting out bandit signs and my team was putting them out. And literally when I give somebody my book, it's like a bandit sign in their living room. Like they don't ever throw it away. I'll come back to their house like six months later. It's right there on the coffee table with all the other autographed books from the home buyers, which is zero. And so I'm smoking everybody. And so, that, and then it evolved. I created a workbook and I started doing, this is crazy ninja. I didn't know any of this was going to happen. I started uh, doing workshops at churches and senior centers, which traditionally were not like, oh, you're a predatory house buyer. Yeah, come on in and speak to our congregation. That never happened. And I'm not a predatory house buyer, but a lot of folks, you know, in our industries, you know, sometimes it's a little bit of a bad reputation. Some of it earned, some of it probably not earned. And so I wanted to speak there. I knew I could really help these people. And the book was sort of that um, pathway for them to feel like, okay, this is somebody who's serious about their business. This is somebody who's credible. This is somebody who's leading with value. And uh, we're going to let them in and endorse them. And when, when you get a third party social proof testimonial from the pastor of a church or a mayor or people like that, there's no comparison. 
You know, they're not all of a sudden now we just shifted from the biggest seller market ever in Dallas Fort Worth to the buyer's market where they're like, they have to qualify to work with me. And the only thing that changed was a how to book for my ideal motivated sellers. Yeah, the positioning around it. It's interesting. Do you, um, so I did this in 2011, mm-hmm. around 2010, 2011, around short sales, mm-hmm. but I did it as a blog, right? Because sure. there was all these questions that I just kept getting asked all the time. Exactly. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go on. I'm going to talk about, you know, what a short sale is, you know, right. how do you qualify for the whole thing? And I found that that was, yeah, just a massive lead gen tool. Did you ever convert it to a blog? I'm just out of curiosity. Or yeah, did you our, yeah. So on our home buying website, we just take excerpts from, I create some educational videos, which are based on the book. And then um, we just transcribed them and then, you know, put them on there. We have it for our publishing business. We have it for our home buying business. It's sort of a model that'll like, I mean, it'll work forever. And really sure. like having a great YouTube channel or a podcast, I mean, it's doing pretty much the same thing. You know, what's cool about a book that I really like, and I, you know, at first I did an ebook, I didn't even talk about that. And I know a lot about this subject, right? But it's like, you know, I had to figure all this out as I went along and all those things are good. The thing that's really unique about books is that they, they can bring you a lot of value even if the people never consume the book because it's a physical anchor. And so like an ebook, you know, that's valuable, but a, a person doesn't think it has the same like perceived value as a physical book. Mm-hmm. And if they don't read it, then nothing happens. It just gets lost in their email. So I didn't really understand how different I would be viewed, how quickly I would be viewed. Like we have people call up, we had somebody call yesterday. They didn't know that I had a book. And so when we did the intake on our script, I just say, you know, have you gotten a copy of our book yet? And then when we do, you can feel like the tone change mm-hmm. over the airways. And I'm like, okay, you know, I wrote this book for seniors, but if you just chapter three is just ways to sell your house, pros and cons of each. So if I send you a copy of the book via courier and I sign it, will you read chapter three before I come over? Because if you do, then I can come over. And if you can't, then we can just part friends. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, they don't know what to say. They've never had anybody say that to them. <laughs> and you know, I'm going over there. And it's like they read chapter three, but they read all the other stuff. And even if they're not a senior, who doesn't want to work with somebody that likes seniors? You know, like I tell my daughters, you know, you talk about your 18 year old daughter. My oldest is 14 and I've got five girls. And a boy. So I'm like, you know, so we're talking about this a lot. And yeah. I'm like, you know, find a boy who likes hanging out with old people and likes hanging out with kids, because in order to be like that, you know, you got to have some patience and usually they're not scuzz buckets, you know, mm-hmm. generally speaking. Mm-hmm. And so you get, I get value from it, even if I'm working with a millennial, because they're just like, okay, this person's serious. And then this person, and now we have a way that we allow, so I have a network of, we've expanded to like three or four books now. And then I license them all over the country. I didn't even know that was a business, but I'm at the mastermind. I'm scooping up deals. And my friends are like, Hey, you know, I'm in Florida. Like you ain't buying houses here. I'm in California. Can I use this? And I was like, uh, I don't know. And then we figured out a way to do it. And so now what we do is we just uh, create like customized copies. We write them into it, only change like 5% of the book. Then they use it as their tool and their marketing to lead with value. And um, and it's been fun. You know, it's just been a really, it's, it's so interesting because I, all I did, this is like a mistake I made that I don't want anybody listening to make this mistake. 
all I did when I was go to these masterminds is they're talking that they're in these cities. One of them, one of my friends in Lynchburg, Virginia, I know it's a big state and they're just like, you know, just gobbling up deals. They got no competition. And I'm over here, 14 VAs, skip tracing 14 million different things with all these Zapier integrations just to get a deal paying four grand, you know, per yeah. contract. And I'm like, I go home and complain. And I'm like, damn, if I was in Lynchburg, I'd just be smoking everybody. But if I had, I would have never written the book. And then that's opened up doors that I never even knew existed. And so yeah, it's amazing awesome. how that works. I guess. Well, you you let your mind figure out the pro like solve the problem, right? Like when you're yeah. confronted with a problem, yeah. And this is your math teacher in you, right? Your math, you're like you've you've like, how do I solve this problem? So exactly. what was the what was the second book? Like private lending. So it's an interesting story. I didn't even write it. Um, my friend did. So he saw I got an award, Robert Kiyosaki. It was really cool. I mean, it's actually amazing because when I went to Trump University in 05, back when I had no plan of what to do, I met, I had to stay in line for like two hours to get Robert Kiyosaki's book. I love his stuff. And I see you got cash flow, so you like him too. Absolutely. So, so I was at this conference and the book system got Innovator of the Year Award as you know, unique. Nobody's ever really heard about this system in our in our market. And he was there, he gave me the award, and then he asked me for a copy of my book. And I'm thinking to myself, that I'm a I'm, you know struggling my whole life with dyslexia it is not easy to read. I don't make excuses. And I remember this guy, I, I wanted, I stood in line two hours to get his book, didn't get into real estate, just never give up. And now I'm standing next to him. We're talking, we're sharing cigars and he's asking me for a copy of my book. I'm like, this is crazy. So <laughs> somebody saw that and they called me and they said, Hey, I'm Brant Phillips. My, Maui's my friend, my business partner, my EXP sponsor on and on. Um, and he, um, and he said, Hey, I wrote this book, this how to book for private money lender. And I've been giving it out in Houston and serving people and leading with value. And it's been great. Is there some way that we can use your system of licensing to, um, you know, get this out to a lot of people and help them. And so we did. And so we we distribute that and we plug people into it. And we've created a whole like course around it. So people because I have friends who get books, but they don't know what to do with them. And mm -hmm. so we and a lot of times when they give it to somebody, you know, the person they give it to doesn't care about it because it's not talking about something they care about. So we write books that are specifically laser focused, reverse engineered on what our ideal prospect who we need to say yes to something, what they care about. And then we just write the person, the investors into it so they can just spend like, you know, an hour or two of their time instead of hundreds writing their own book. And we already know how to distribute it and how to give it out and all that. So that's sort of like this whole business that came out of a competitive market and just a willingness to try stuff. So, so that, that brings me to the next question. What does your life look like now, right? What, what's the percentage of real estate versus mm -hmm. book publishing versus speaking engagements? I'm like, and you, and you might, you know, you're still in it. You're like, we're all evolving constantly, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just curious, what does it look like today and where do you want to take it? Yeah. So I really like leverage. And one of the things that I was frustrated with, uh, with deal flow is that, you know, you can get leverage, but sometimes it's at the, it's at the expense of margin. And, you know, you're just always going back, you know, the motivated sellers, there's not a huge like recurring element to it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? You know, it's like they have one house their whole life to sell you at a discount. And so 
I like I like businesses that have more of a of a recurring effort, just because the re- effort to return ratio, the effort to return ratio is like the most important metric, and then my return on time invested because you know I'm 40. I, I, I'm going to live, I'm like, my game plan's a hundred. So I still got a lot of years, but, but they are finite. So what I do is, is that I still have people here locally that um, I send marketing out to very targeted lists, seniors. So when I get deal flow from that, then it's just wholesale or hotel and um, you know, a few deals a month, you know, they average out. And then um, other than that, the publishing, you know, that takes up some time. Um, I have a, um, a coaching company with my partner, uh, Mike Hambright. So we do some um, some coaching for new people, which is a new venture, and it's really exciting. And I've been working with experienced people, so it's fun to be able to, like, you know, help newer people and kind of remember what it was like when I was there. And we have, you know, all the skills and knowledge and network to actually, if they want to do the work, to, you know, make this for yourself. It's an amazing Amazing business. The future is to be more passive. I mean, I think that's what everybody wants to do. So sure. as, as more active income comes in, how do we put that into a you know a tax deferred status? And then how do we invest it? What's really cool that I like is like these people who are my authors behind me, like they become my friends. They come to my weekly call. I help them as much as I can uh, because I enjoy it. Not like I mean, if I just wanted to make just straight the best effort to return ratio by far is EXP. Nothing else is even close. Like anybody who doesn't understand that, that hasn't had it explained from somebody who's a business owner, because you can't you can't outwork seven levels of duplication. You can't outwork leverage. You know, we're on leverage right now. We're utilizing technology leverage. Labor leverage is really, really old hat. People made like money labor leverage, you know, back when it was Rockefeller and stuff like that. Sure financial leverage. So it's like, how can we use all of them? So I just want to use more technology. And, but what's cool is, is that I get to know, like, and trust my students, they come on the call. And so then if they want to expand their operation, that creates a passive um, investing opportunity for me. So, and I get to know them. So that's how I'm getting involved in the uh, residential assisted living space. It's and Gene Garino. I wrote his book and now he licenses it to his students and we're doing one for another big um, coaching company. Anytime that somebody needs to like, you know, their themselves or their students have to get some permission from somebody to do something. And if it's a, the more complicated, the more uh, a how to book um, can position them you know, differently to increase awareness, to increase conversion rate. So those are the things that I'm the most passionate about. But I really want to help people because making money is great. Um, I'm almost as happy as I was when I was teaching math, not quite actually get on my district website every so often and just look at openings. And it's like, I'm not leaving real estate, but I'm telling you, when you find something that you like, it's, it's, there's no feeling that's greater. So my, well, well, let me, let me, let me, let's, 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 let's dive on that one a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so you're getting the, the fix of teaching, right? Yeah. Like if you're teaching, so what's the difference between that and teaching, what was it? High school math? Yeah. High school math, right? Is younger. it because they're younger? Okay. So yeah. why not coach and teach young entrepreneurs, right? Like yeah. one of the things that I'm I'm passionate about. Oh, really? My, my director of operations started with me when he was 18 years old. He's 27 now. And and I I love finding young talent and then mm-hmm. and and just pouring into them. Me so too. 
Yeah, I, I think that's the next frontier. And you know, our coaching company is 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 newer, um, and um, and so I don't even know how old everybody's going to be, and I don't care. But yeah, I think there will be some of that. But it's just fun to help. I just wish that you know, um, I wish that somebody had explained some of these things to me. I mean, it's my fault. It's my responsibility. The books are there. I didn't read them, but you know, um, I just I'm I'm actually more coachable now than when I was younger, and so I just wish somebody. Had given me a little nudge entrepreneurially. So who knows, maybe someday we'll collaborate on a project. You never know. That sounds good, man. I'm all about collaboration. Yeah. Okay. So uh, your journey has gone from real estate investor, generating these leads, grinding it out, trying to figure out what's my, you know, cost per client acquisition, like the whole thing. Right. Yeah. And, and then you're like, man, I can really, I can, you know what? I, I just had this thing like Russell Brunson talked about how he could make his cost per client acquisition literally zero because of a book, right? When he did when he did uh, Expert Secrets or .com Secrets or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, and then that helped him launch ClickFunnels and, right. and all the rest. Um, that's, that's fascinating. So the next chapter, I'm just curious, the next chapter for you then is continue doing what you're doing, just doing yeah. it at a bigger scale, mm-hmm. making more of it passive, than mm-hmm. than active, right? Yeah. And then just keep pouring into you know people in this business as yeah. much as you possibly can. Yeah, if you help enough people get what they want, you'll get what you want. And it's funny, the older I get, the less I want. Um, I actually found that like just desiring things is like held me back. And now I'm working hard on trying to do that less and not, you know, upgrading to another house every three years and all that stuff because um, yeah, I just want more freedom, but I really want to help other people get it too. And I really like helping my students get more deals with their books. So like, that's super fun. And, uh, you know, probably like some volunteering and stuff. Like I said, I mean, I've worked with young people and not even get paid. It's just one of the things I've noticed is, is as things have progressed, um, you know, I actually have access to more opportunities, not less. And I, but I have less time. So it's like, Oh, this is kind of a bad correlation like it where were you like five years ago when i only had like one or two things so yeah saying no but i'm super happy and i don't know i mean everybody has a different view you know i listen to like religious people i listen to atheist people i just try to get their perspective from both you know i go to church obviously save your publishing house but um but i do understand you know people who are like you know if it can't be scientifically proven blah 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 and i get all that i totally do but at the same notion i'm like damn if, if the only reason that me and you are on this planet is just to pleasure ourselves and just go on vacation and eat cool food and have all this time freedom, I don't feel very fulfilled like that. Mm-hmm. I don't I think that that's not that that would make me kind of sad. Mm-hmm. One of my friends, Naval Ravikant, his books are amazing. I've got a lot of help from like Bill Ackman, not like personally, but if he's listening, you know, give me a call. I'm one of your biggest fans. Um, but, you know, these guys on Wall Street, these guys in Silicon Valley, they're really smart. I read all their books. Anybody who's a CEO of anything. I just got the book from the CEO of Microsoft. I just like reading these people because uh, when you get other perspectives, you know, it, it you see things so different. And um but one of them says, you know, do you remember, you know what it's going to be like when you die? Well, do you remember what it was like before you were born? It's going to be like that. And I was like, oh, damn, which I obviously don't remember that. And I was he's being a little snarky. And I'm like, well, I don't know, man. My mom's an ICU nurse, 43 years. She's seen a lot of people flatline and die. And they come back and they say, hey, I saw, if they were dead, 
like three or four minutes and they're like you know i saw the this white light i saw these uh you know my family members they told me to go back and so it's like either my mom's lying to me they're making that up or there's something going on so i just try to just take one day at a time and try to make things better for other people and you know help people get what they want and i've just don't really try to focus too much on what I need because I'm cool. Yeah, you know, I think there comes a point. I was just uh, just got done with a mastermind with um, Kai Andrews, Kai Andrew, sorry, who mm -hmm. runs um, this awesome YouTube channel um, where he really con like coaches and consults on uh, glamping and and uh, Airbnb housing and all that mm -hmm. stuff, right? And um, he's a minimalist and he's gotten his expenses down to like. 900 bucks a month right it's crazy right crazy but, yeah but he he realized yeah you're not going to do that with five daughters by the way no <laughs> um but he you know he realized just like they're what he didn't like he does he makes a ton of money right mm -hmm. it's just that he didn't need a whole lot to make him happy right he's like hey he's a surfer right jiu-jitsu mm -hmm. guy and he was like flip-flops shorts you know i just need enough to eat and you know he made he i mean this guy was trained to you know mba trained like to, oh. to go in and, and do um uh consult large companies and, and kind of help startups and it's just like after a while i just realized hey there's more to it yeah and um i want to i want to live a simple and and by the way he got to a point where he's like totally comfortable and he's like but i'm bored and so that's where like creation, I think, is kind of part yeah. of this. Like when you write a book, mm -hmm. you're creating something, you're putting something out into the universe, right? Yeah. Um, this podcast, like it, it's it's all I think that the scratch and itch that we have to to be be a value and to create. Um, I wanted to ask you a question: If somebody wanted to write a book, actually write it from scratch, not license it, right? Yeah. Like they wanted to write it from scratch, right? Because mm -hmm. there's so many people that have books in them. Oh, what's, yeah. What's the number one advice that you would give that person? Well, um, they can download a book that I wrote, which teaches people how to write a book and it's free. So I'll give okay. you that code at the end. And whenever yeah. the time is right, I'll get the cue from you. But I wrote the, um, it, the real estate investor book writing checklist. And inside of it is the framework that I use for any new book or project that we take on. And it's, pretty simple five steps if you do them in order and you're just willing to commit to the process and you know your time um and then you can definitely do it you know um you know it took me a few hundred hours to write my first book but i mean you know if you have a team you know or you know you're a really fast writer you can do that the key is to like have it organized correctly and knowing exactly what the goal is with the book because um so I read this book that my coach told me to read. It's called Book the Business by Dan Kennedy. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think about book writing from the perspective of how they consume books, which is they purchase them and read them or not read them. And Dan said in there, you know, famous marketer, he's amazing, great mustache. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, if you um, he said, you know, if you made a list of of um, 100 ways to make money with a book um, and you put them in order, uh, the number one, like the dead last one would be selling it. And so a lot of people think that you make money from selling a book and there's people who make money selling books, but those are people who are normally already famous. You know, people already have a huge following Oprah, you know, Joel Olstein, people like that. Mm -hmm. The number one way to make money with a book in our business 
in any high margin industry, which is what ours is, is to use it to acquire a new customer. And so when I read that, I read that just a little bit before I wrote this book. I was like, okay, I need to write a book to acquire a customer because if I can make 40 grand on a flip, you know, 20 on a wholesale, you know, flip a listing, get a little bit of the deal. And I'm like, that's valuable. And so I just, I framed it. So I knew exactly what the purpose was before I started. That's the biggest mistake people make is they just write a book about themselves and a time they fell down a well and nobody cares about that stuff. They don't care about you. They care about solving their problem. And so that's what we did. Now, people have a story, write the book, give them the story. There's nothing wrong with that kind of book. That's just not my specialty because I'm just using it to try to accelerate the business by leading with value. But those books are still good too. You know, it's interesting because obviously I, I'm, I'm with KW. I've been with KW since 2006, right? And what got me here was a book. Oh, and you know, and you know the book, right? The Millionaire Real Estate Agent book. Of course. That was the, that was the book that got me here because it was right. essentially a roadmap. It, like I saw it as a roadmap, right? I went, my wife and I started on the investment side, fixing and flipping. And like, uh-huh. we felt like we were literally like, there was no plan. Like I was like, yeah, what, you know, what's the plan, right? And sure. I, I ran across this book that kind of laid out a plan, showed us how to create active income from our agent business. And yep. then obviously- you couple it with the millionaire real estate investor, flip, hold, you know, that whole series. But mm-hmm. I was like, you know, at the end of the day, Gary's a content creator, right? right? When you think about it, he's a content creator who did a really good job of really spelling out the model, right? Mm-hmm. Of how to to you know build a business. You could take the world real estate out and you could plug in any small business into that, yeah. right? There's certain things that change. Um, so let's go. Did you ever read the book? By the way, oh, yeah. yeah, I got both of them over there, a millionaire agent and investor. And one thing is like, you know, I mean, that's on the top five list, of course. That's the book I tell everybody to get started with. It's like I said, that's one of my top five. Yeah, but he's super, super smart. And, you know, you know, obviously we're going through a, I mean, real transactional people maybe know this, like transactional real estate market is the largest undisrupted market in the United States of America. $1.6 trillion of annual value. Yeah. And it's going through a big disruption right now. And, and, you know, might be, we could save it for another show, but I've done an intense amount of research on this. Uh, you know, I was preparing for like a state of the union thing and, you know, I knew about it, you know, I was selling to some hedge funds, but I didn't quite understand the whole magnitude. And then when I started researching it, of course, people like Gary Keller came into the conversation and some of the articles that I studied. And what I found was mind boggling. This industry is going through big changes. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not, it's not going back to the way it was. And I'm, I'm firmly convinced that people who aren't aware of this and aren't seeing it, understanding how to pivot are going to get totally left behind. This already happened in financial services 20 years ago. When I went to UT Austin, I wanted to be a stockbroker, but by the time I got up there in 01, um, you know, stockbrokers were already becoming dinosaurs mm-hmm. and, right? It was E-Trade. It was all the online, the transactional side of this business was being for financial services was being overtaken by um, computers because they're faster. But so I work at Oxford Financial Group in Austin. My boss, Dan, um, about 15 years older than me, he was a stockbroker in the 90s and late 80s. And then he had to pivot, become an independent you know, financial advisor. And every year since then, financial advisors have have really um, 
have blossomed and there's still a market for those people. And there's still people who know that they could go do all their own trades and investments cheaper, but they're choosing to have somebody that's the guide that can move them through. But it's a much smaller segment than it was back in the day. And a lot of people are using online platforms. I think the same thing's happening in real estate. And what gives our students and our members a big advantage is because they're leading with this consultative approach. And so when just if you're just seen as the transactional house flipper or the transactional listing agent, your margins are getting squeezed every day. And so what we're doing, and I haven't even announced this yet, I don't even know if we talked about it, but we're launching a, a certification called Certified Housing Educator Program. So we're teaching agents, brokers, and investors how to reposition their business from a transactional you know, viewpoint to a consultative. And we plug them into some resources to do that. Um, but I think that's the future. Hey, I might be wrong, but I mean, they got Gary Keller over a barrel and he's a smart, powerful dude. And the iBuyers, you know, he started his own iBuying thing. I read the quotes. He's like, I didn't want to do this. He's like, if I had wanted to buy houses, I would have done it 20 years ago, but I felt like I didn't have a choice. So there are some powerful forces at play. And uh, well, I feel like the, the it's intersecting, right? The role of the investor and yeah. the agent is intersecting. And one of the things that we've done is, you know, I saw this, I think it was OfferPad that said, mm -hmm. and I thought I thought it was really interesting the way they framed it. And I haven't seen this marketing since, so they've stopped it. I think they stopped it, but it said, sell it your way, right? Mm -hmm. Now, what they were leading with was they were leading with the investor message. Here's a cash offer. And by right. the way, if it doesn't work for you, here are some, you know, agents, right, that, mm -hmm. that can list the property for you. So that's leading with the investor message. And then you have you know, another segment of the population that's leading with the agent message being like, hey, here's, you know, list your property with us. Oh, and by the way, if you want a cash offer, here's your option, right? So that's, it's the reverse of that. And so we're seeing this kind of like, kind of this merging, right? And I, I, what I believe is that that those lines will blur, like every real estate team will have a, right. a, a, you know, a, a home buying division within them, Right. Yeah. Or they'll or they'll piggyback on what Gary's done or piggyback on what their local hard money lenders done. Right. Um, and, you know, you start off saying, you know, it, it's hard to predict the future. Mm -hmm. you, we are seeing trends for sure. Yeah. Right. So what other trends are you seeing? Yeah, that the, that the appetite for that, that the ability for people every day that goes on from now until we both leave the earth. Um, it, it's going to get easier for people to leverage technology to connect with people who are going to help that, that will let them net out more for their house. It, it'd be easier than ever before. So that I believe is not going to change. It's just going to increase. And then the other thing that I think is going to um, change is that or not going to change is that Wall Street um, is going to continue to be chasing, you know, yield. And there's good yield in single family rentals. And there's still a lot of America that they haven't bought yet. Uh, but it's it's a pretty new asset class. You know, it, you know, if you know, however far back you can look into history is you know a predictor of how far you can see into the future. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, what a lot of people don't know is that I didn't know this until just a couple of years ago that, you know, if we go back just like around World War Two and after most of the apartments that were being held in America were not corporations. They were individuals. And then that asset class began to change. 
And now, you know, I mean, it, most apartment developments, its own or existing, it's, it's bigger companies. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the same thing's happening in the single family space. You know, about 95% of the houses by 06 that were on Freddie Mac and uh, Fannie Mae's books were sold not to individual investors like us, but to hedge funds, to big companies. Mm-hmm. And so if they are happy with three or 4% yield and me and you would never do a deal for that, then, and they have uh, really, really big pockets. I mean, look at it this way. You know, I love these people that go, oh, here's my favorite line I hear all the time. Oh, I just sold a house to a hedge fund and they overpaid. They're so stupid. No, they're not. You've never met anybody who works at a hedge fund. Uh, the word stupid is not a word that you would ever use to describe. People make mistakes. I'm not saying everything they do is, mm-hmm. is going to be a home run deal, but they're far from stupid. And houses, they're playing, that, they're playing the long game. They're playing the long game and they know how to do it. And that's, See, OfferPad and all those guys, they, you know, they've tried this before. And then when the downturn happened, they closed up and then they came back. And so people think, oh, well, as long as there's a bull market, you're going to have people that can overpay and squeeze us out. But as soon as the market crashes, uh, 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 because they figured out how to get them performing as rentals. That's the difference. That's the big change that's happened in the last 10 years is the increased desire for that asset class. Uh, we already knew about it as real estate investors. You know, my uncle had rentals. I mean, this isn't like a brand new thing, but it is to Wall Street. And so unless something happens to where, you know, like I just don't know why Zillow, you know, they make $1,700 on a flip right now. And they're cool with that because they're playing a volume game. But me and you don't have 157 million people that went to our website in Q4. They do. So these hedge funds are investing money in technology companies that never make a profit. I'm pretty sure they're going to keep investing money in single family rentals that can cash flow. Do you know what That's I'm saying? Right. I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. It's like, Hey, it's like a no brainer for them. Right. Like, yeah. Hey, we, we could get, we could get a yield, a 4% yield on this. Right. Do it all day long. Right. Awesome. Well, let's, let's do this. Uh, Max, I want people to be able, we'll put it in the show notes. We'll make sure that everybody has it, you know, below. Um, but tell us, give us some sites real fast, right? Yeah. What are some of the different sites for people to to find you and to, to you know, I'm going to go look at that one on how to write a book. Uh, I'll download that one, right? Um, give me all your, all your stuff. Here's the sizzle. So I'll just give you one link. It's real simple. Just go to deals. So D-E-A-L-S chasing you.com forward slash Rob, R-O-B. And that'll give you the link to where you get the book for free. You can download it, the real estate investor book writing checklist. And then you can check out, you know, I've got videos on that site. You can uh, check that out. And Max Keller is my profile on Facebook. I think I have like 50 friend opportunities left. So if you uh, join and I'm already full, I'll bump somebody off because I really want you. And uh, that's it. They can just reach out, ask any questions, um, you know, more than happy to. But the website deals chasing you forward slash Rob will allow them to, um, to get everything that they need. And, um, yeah, they, there's places where they can connect or email if they have questions, our email address. So some people are just more into that is info I N F O at savior, like our Lord and savior publishing house.com. So you can check that out. Yeah. Just more than happy. Any questions? Did I get that right? Deals chasing you.com slash Rob. Looks good, but like I said, the dyslexia is kicking in late in the day. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're awesome. Awesome. Okay, man. Hey, Max, thanks so much for sharing time with us today. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Love it. We'll talk soon. We'll talk soon.